0: glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Nevin Luke nee. Chapter 1, beginning verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons... And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Malan and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And they only said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go. Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out uh, against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, and unto her gods return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, of aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them and they said is this Naomi and she said unto them call me not Naomi call me Mara for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty why then call ye me Naomi seeing then seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Thank you. you may be seated. Let me try to, if I may, uh, using myself, not as a personal good example, but a, a personal example that you, you who've been here for some time have heard my testimony, not only of salvation, but... Uh, salvation from hell and the wrath of God, but salvation from a life consumed on selfishness as well. And I'm not saying that that life is done. I'm saying that's the course I was on for a season. But I want to walk you back to where I was as, say, a 12- or 13-year-old boy to try to put this message, and I'm not preaching my testimony. I'm going to use my testimony to try to bring to light what I believe the Lord wants to give to you today. I believe God would use our experiences to help others learn. One of the desires I have, I do not want to see the next generation after me make some of the same stupid mistakes I made. Can anybody agree with me on that? Do we not want to see... How many, how many parents want to see the next generation do better financially than they did? Want to see? I want to see my children, and I want to see your children, and the young people in this room. This is not a message just to the young people. It's for all of us, but I would hope we would want to see the next generation do better spiritually than we've done. I would hope for that. So that's part of where my heart's at this morning, and it's part of what puts this message in perspective because as I preach this message, I think I made in my own personal life as probably a 13-year-old boy a very similar error that it, as, as to that of Elimelech and seemingly of Naomi as well. It seems that both of them did this together. Uh, she said, I went out full. She didn't say the Lord took me out full. I went out full. The Lord brought me back. The Lord didn't take her out, but the Lord did bring her back. We hear people using, and I'll get back to my, my personal testimony moment. We hear the term used backslidden. That's a Bible term generally used in the Old Testament, but someone backsliding. I believe the Bible term in the New Testament would be you get out of fellowship with God. You're a child of God. You've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. If Jesus has saved you, he's not going to lose you. I'll say that again. If the Lord Jesus Christ has saved you, he's not going to lose you. We don't keep our salvation. He does. He keeps us. He said, of all thou hast given me, have I lost none? Save the son of perdition. And then he would say of the son of perdition that he had a devil from the Beginning, Judas was never a true disciple, never a child of God, and Jesus knew that all along. Having said all that? As a saved person, what happens is God begins to shepherd our lives as our Savior. And what happens in us, we look down the road of His shepherding, and we say, if I continue with the Master down this road, this is the difficulty I'm going to encounter. So let me roll back to my own life as a 12 or 13-year-old boy. I began to look at people that I knew who were living the life they preached that I should live. I began to look at people who had fully surrendered their lives for the Lord to do with them whatever He chose. And I saw that every time they surrendered to the Lord, they lost something. They lost a relationship or they lost some peace of mind that they'd had before. They lost some friendship, or they lost some comfort in life. And I began to realize I wouldn't have been able to identify this at that time, but I began to realize that, oh, this matter of being faithful to the Lord, my going to heaven when I die cost him everything. But me living for him on earth until I go to heaven is going to cost me something. And so you're telling me, my teachers, my preachers, my parents, you're telling me that you've surrendered to the Lord and in so doing you have family members who won't talk to you and you can't work that job and earn that income or marry that person or that person now won't have anything to do with you or that person now bad mouths you. I began to realize and associate a price tag with serving the Lord. And I believe looking back now we were entering into a history of time where uh, that i I I'll be honest with you, I think I can see now that you can look back and churches as a whole have gotten lukewarm in our country, a lot of lukewarm Christianity, a lot of carnality in the United States of America today, and there was then and, And so all I say is to say all that. I began to look at that and say, you know, you know, and I mean, this is a lot of the subconscious, and I can do a little better job of understanding what my thinking was at the time, but it was a time where the old devil turned up the heat and opposition to our family and the church I was in at the time. And I began to say, you know... If that's what it means to serve the Lord, and that's the abundant Christian life, and by the way, I had some Christians in my life at that time who claimed to be living it who were not and misrepresented the surrendered life. Well, the old devil went to work and said, you don't want that, do you? You don't want that dry, drab, barren, difficult life, do you? What 13-year-old in his right mind would want that kind of life? One surrendered to God who loves him, which I did not, nor was I. It's important for you to be surrendered to the Lord. You're going to get deceived by the devil. Amen? Surrendered, what we mean is yielded is I am willing to let him lead and spend my life as he sees fit. When you lose your life, it's like putting your life as though it were a $100 bill in the hand of the Savior and say, however you want to spend that, I trust you more than I trust me. So here it is. Spend my life. May I say this this morning? If you're sitting here born again, and you've not lost your life to Christ, you have no idea the life you're missing. Can I just say all the ideas I had about the barren life of Christianity were lies from my adversary. Is there dryness in the Christian life? We'll get into that moment. Oh, there are moments of dryness. Is there moments of difficulty? Oh, there are. But the days of the fruitfulness of the ministry of the Savior himself to you far outweigh. The the difficulties of the Christian life, I believe this, the judgment seat, if you've finished your course, will make the difficulties in this life seem like little bitty pebbles in a road. Cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed. Having said all of that, I'm sharing my heart to say, I changed the course of my life as a 13-year-old boy. And you say, 13? As an 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old boy, I had been serious about being in my Bible spending time with the Lord in prayer. I was a witness, a personal witness to my neighbors, my friends. I remember having little friends at nine years old. I led to the Lord because that's what I was brought up to do, and I believed it and still believe it. But there was a point where I began to see where's my life headed. If I stay on this trajectory, I'm going to be one of those miserable people. Would it not be better for me to live like the rest of the world lives? Find out what will make me happy, chase it with all my energy, and live happily ever after like we read in the books and here on the TV. Wouldn't that be better? And I believed my own reasoning. That was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I believed my own reasoning instead of believing what God said. You say, did you? I did because I knew what God said. I knew the right way to go, and there was a point I made a very clear and concise decision in my conscience to drift off into the figurative Moab for a while, To just go live with the rest of the world as though I didn't belong to the Lord. The New Testament illustration would be that of Peter, who through sins of omission committed sins of commission. Very true, we heard in Sunday school this morning. That's my testimony. You know what I'm thankful? When you belong to the Lord, He doesn't let you live in Moab uninterrupted. You cannot go live, and I'm speaking figuratively, and I'll make application in a few minutes, outside of God's perfect will, if you belong to Him, without the interference of His precious rod and staff, whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. It's very hard to have joy in the Christian life when it's the Christian life that's bringing you your sorrow. Does that sound like a backward statement? Very difficult to have a pleasantness about being a Christian when you think, if I weren't a Christian, I wouldn't be in trouble. Because you know what? The Lord doesn't chasten those who don't belong to Him. He chastens His own. He doesn't chasten the devil's kids. That's Hebrews chapter 12. You can read it.